that the same spirit that has provided healing throughout the ages is still in the earth today. And if he's still here, Father, that he still heals. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your healing power. Father, we thank you that we can gather together each week and study your divine words, Father, in relation to healing. Yes. Thank you. And encourage our hearts that you are the healer. And Father, get our minds renewed that yes, you still heal. And Father, that you will heal me today, Father. Father, there's no question in your word about what your will is. Father, we have to choose to believe it. And Father, we do choose to believe your word. We thank you, Father, that your word is settled in heaven. You said that you're Jehovah Rapha, that you've assigned your own self, Father, the title of healer, physician, and surgeon. And Father, you've not retired from that position. And so, Father, we thank you that not only can we live free from sickness and disease, Father, and to be healed, but we can live in divine health each and every day. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your divine health. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mr. Tracy, I'd like to pray for you, if that's okay. And if anyone else needs prayer for any healing in their bodies, you'll come up. We'll pray for you. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mr. Tracy, lift your hands up to the Lord. Father, we thank you. You said in your word, Father, that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead will quicken our mortal bodies. Father, I thank you that his body is filled with your spirit. Father, life-giving, disease-destroying, sickness-obliterating spirit of God. Father, we thank you this body is filled with your spirit, Father. And Father, there's no room for spirit in death. There's only room for spirit in this body. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Free from sickness, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Strong and healthy in Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for divine health. We speak health and healing to this body in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that this body is healed from the top of its head, Father, to the soles of its feet. In the name of Jesus, Father. Strong and healthy. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, I thank you for the spirit of health to be in this body, Father. Lord, we thank you that, that your word declares there 
are spirits of infirmity, Father, but your spirit is a spirit of health. And Father, your spirit always displaces other spirits. Father, I thank you this body is the healed of God, free from sickness and disease in Jesus' name. Father, we command it to be so because your word declares it is so. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We can live in divine health each and every day, Father. In the name of Jesus. Father, we just thank you. And testify, Father, from our own mouth that you are the healer of our bodies. We declare it to be so, Father. And Father, all we're doing is lining up with what your word has already declared. And Father, we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is still our healer. Amen. You know, we've been doing healing school since January of 2015. And um, you remember our friend, uh, Miss Sue Ziegenhorn, where she's gone on, on to be with the Lord now. But um, she came the very first Sunday. And um, I think she came with some questions, some pent-up questions she's been trying to ask somebody, you know, the answer to the, to the question. And so the very first Sunday she was here, January 20, 2015, uh, we, we started out with, is it God's will for you to be healed? And of course, what's the answer to that question? Yes, yes the, the God's will, God's desire is for you to be healed how many times? Every time. Every time. Is there ever an exception to that rule? Never an exception to that rule? And so she just kind of popped up right in the middle of the start and said, well, then how are we supposed to die and go home to be with the Lord? Which is a fair question. I mean, you know, in a sense, it's a fair question because if you're never sick, how are you going to die? Well, you know, you just, uh, I mean, you know, sometimes you got an old ratty car, right? Driving down the road, get to a stop sign, and it just dies, right? And I remember my high school buddy, he had this old beater pickup truck, and, um, you know, he had to keep uh, kind of pumping the gas at stop signs because if he didn't, you know, it would just die. And so it was always kind of a roll through the stop sign as he pumped the gas to keep it running because otherwise it would just die. Uh, but, you know, you can just go home and park it in the garage and just turn the switch off, can't you? You turn the switch off, you know, it's not running anymore. Well, when it's time to go home to be with the Lord, just turn the switch off. Go home to be with the Lord, amen? You don't have to die of some horrible disease, just turn the switch off, amen? Your spirit leaves your body, you go home to be with the Lord, and, and they may write whatever they write on the, on the death certificate, you know, died of, you know, the plague or something, but, you know, you know, it's just when, because uh, if, if you go through, and if you, in fact, if you go to the last chapter of our book over there, it talks about long life, and it uses the three examples of, of Jesus, of Peter, and Paul, who all decided when they were going to die from the Word of God. They decided, well, you know, Paul said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of stuck between two places. You know, do I leave or do I stay? He said, for you, it's better that I stay. So he decided to stay. But later on, he said, I finished my course. And so he said, okay, it's time for me to go. Same thing with Peter, you know, it was time for him to go. Jesus said that uh, I laid down my life, I pick it up. He said, this commandment have I received from my Father. So he chose the timing of when he was going to go to the cross. You know, he wasn't a victim of, of Pilate or a victim of the Jewish leadership. He decided, it's time for me to go. 
And, you know, uh, I've heard plenty of stories of, of great men and women of God. The Lord said, you know, time for you to come home. I'm like, okay, well, I'll come on home then. Amen. When, when, even when Moses, remember Moses? The Lord said, go, go up the mountain, take a look at the uh, promised land. It's time for you to come home. And he was 120 years old. And the Bible said that he died, that, uh, that, that his eyes were not dim, and his natural force was not abated. Well, how did he die? Turn the switch off, went home. Amen. That's God's best. I believe that's what God wants his people to, to live by. Not, you know, the vast majority of Christians won't ever live that way. They have not been taught that. They've not lived that way by faith. But I believe it's God's best. Amen. Isn't that way better than dying a slow disease over, over five years, right? See, see your uh, loved one just waste away to nothing and see them uh, uh, get worse and worse and uh, where they can't, uh, even, they're not even there. You know, you talk to them and their mind's gone. You know, their body's gone. You know, sometimes their minds will be there, but their bodies are gone so far that they can't even communicate. They have the mental ability to communicate, but they don't have the physical ability to communicate. And that's sad, right? It's sad to see that. Uh, and and the, the thing is, you know, it, of course, it's difficult for the one who's sick, but it's difficult for the people that are in support of that sick person. Uh, I, you know, I know many people who entire lives are consumed because of somebody else's sickness, right? That it's 24 hours a day and, all, and, and they have to do things in support of their loved ones. And not that they wouldn't do it, you know, they're glad to do it because they love them, right? And so we're, we're thankful that somebody loves them like that. Uh, and so, uh, but then that goes on for years sometimes. And then that person dies and the, and the, the caretaker is now lost. They don't want, what, the, what do I do with my life? I've provided 24-hour support for years. Now I get up in the morning and I have nothing to do. They don't even, a lot of times they don't even know what to do and they just feel lost. Like, what, what's, the, what, what's my purpose in life? I have no purpose in life. Uh, and they have to get their minds renewed and get back to where they, they can be a productive member of society again. And so, uh, no, it's not God's desire that, you, that you're sick. Uh, and... Um, <clears throat> Uh, we should all pray the Lord. I want to know the, the timing of my going home. Uh, and, and then you can negotiate it. You know, Brother Hay can tell stories of uh, the Lord spoke to him one time and said, uh, you know, your mother's going to die. Uh, and, and he said, he said, there wasn't a single close relative of mine that, that died without me knowing it first. You know, once it got out past the second cousins, he didn't know about those. Uh, but the Lord spoke to him and said, your mother's going to die. And he, and, he, and, he, and he said, well, Lord, he said, you know, uh, my mother, um, you know, we were left uh, by our father when I was a child, right? When he was five or six years old, he said his father just left, never came back. And they lived in just absolute poverty. And, and in fact, when he was born, uh, the only reason why his mother left that poverty uh, situation, she said, uh, for the sake of the child that's in me, I will go and, and get help from my mother. Otherwise, you know, she, her attitude was, I've made my bed hard, I'm going to kind of sleep in it, uh, or going you know, to lie in it, you know. Uh, and so she went and got help, but you know, he never knew his dad growing up, because his dad just left him. Uh, and, and so they just lived in poverty for years. And even as a minister, you know, he was really, he was kind of slow, because he said he started out as, as a Baptist uh, pastor. He said their prayer was, uh, Lord, uh, you keep him humble, we keep him, we'll keep him poor. Right? And he said when he got in the Pentecostal churches, he said they doubled up on it. Lord, you keep him humble, we'll keep him twice as poor. Uh, and so uh, it took him years to, to learn the word of God that God doesn't desire to be poor. 
Amen. God doesn't decide to be broken uh, because if you're broken poor, who can you help? Uh, you're the one who needs help, right? Uh, someone needs money for their rent. Well, you can't help them, right? Someone needs money for their electric bill. You can't help them. Somebody needs money for groceries. Well, you can't help them. You're the one who needs help. Amen. Uh, and, and so <clears throat> there's, but that, that doctrine still is pervasive in the church today, right? God doesn't want you to be uh, rich, you know, even though he literally says that he was made poor so that you could be rich, you know. Uh, uh, and so, uh, but it took him a long time to, to, to learn that, and, and he finally learned it. And then after, so after a while, he finally became prosperous enough that he could help his mother, and then the Lord said, well, she's going to die. And he said, well, Lord, I, you know, I'm just now at a point where I can be a blessing to my mom. He said, let her, let her be here for a few more years so I can bless her and show her how thankful I am and, and be able to express it the way that I've always wanted to. He said, okay, I'll, I'll do, what you, I'll do what, you, what you ask me. He said, well, give her five more years. He said, okay, I'll give her five more years. In five more years, she died and went home to be with the Lord. Uh, and so, you know, we, we, we have that ability, amen? We don't, we don't really exercise it much, but our, our ability to decide when we leave this earth a lot, we have a lot more ability in that area than we'll ever know. Amen? A lot of people, you know, and, and I've had people come to healing school for years and come up and say, well, you just never know. I'm just like, give me your card. You know, you've been to healing school more than twice. You should know better than ever saying things like that. Well, you just never know when your time's up, you know? And yet there's no Bible for that. There's no, uh, the, the doctrine says, according to the Word of God, that yes, you can decide. Amen? Within, within the confines of the Word of God, you know, He never promised us in fact, he put a constraint on 120 years, according to Genesis chapter 6. And I don't, believe, I don't know that you could go be much beyond that. You know, if there's a special circumstances, he could if he wanted to give you an extended period of time on the earth. But if you're going to live to be 120, you need to live 120 good years. Amen? No, no, no value in being 100 years old and being uh, frail for the next 20 years and have to be in a wheelchair for 20 years. Who wants that, right? Uh, just go home. Amen? Uh, but if you can be healthy for, uh, for the 120 years then be healthy for 120 years, and then go home, amen? Uh, and just think what you'd know if you could be around here for 120 years. You know, I'm, I'm fi- I just turned 58 years old, and I should barely know anything now. You know, just think, and, and so if I, if I lived to 120, I'm just halfway there. Just think what I'd know by, by 119 years, so I'd be like, yeah, I finally see it, Lord. Sorry I'm a little slow, but I finally see it. I'm 119, I finally see it. You know, what, what would happen if I missed it, stopped at 118? I'd have never got it. You know, I, now I get it in heaven, but it doesn't do you any good if I, if I find it out in heaven. I can't send an email back to Eric. Hey, dummy, uh, learn this before, I, you know, before you're 119 years old, right? Uh, and so uh, it, it's, uh, there's, there's so much uh, bad doctrine in the church. And, and the thing is, all we teach around here is it's God's will 100% of the time to be healed. Amen? Never have taught anything else other than that. Uh, and I've talked many times about uh, dying and when the, when the times to die. And yet people, after years of coming to this healing school, will still say the dumbest things. And, and I say, why would you say that? You know, you, you get a failing grade. We don't have grades, but I'm going to give you a grade. And it's, uh, it's failing, F, for F for you. Just for today, just for F. Maybe tomorrow we'll give you a better grade, but for now. Uh, and so, uh, you know, school, we, you get graded, right? Uh, and so uh, it's, uh, uh, don't, make me, don't make me come back there, right? Don't make me... Uh, <laughs> Don't make me pull your card. Uh, Let's open up our Bibles to the book of uh, Psalm uh, chapter 30 there. Um, Because some people have great faith in these things, right? They have great faith in in, um, their doubt and unbelief. Greater faith in their doubt and unbelief than they do in the Word of God. Amen? Uh, 
And so we're here in chapter 4 of Dr. Yeoman's book, and in this particular chapter, she's just going through some of the psalms, some of the psalms that have been important to her, and just really reviewing them in the area, in the context of healing, amen? And, you know, one of the things about healing, in fact, when we were putting a book together, you could use almost any verse that has anything to do with faith or the kindness of God or the love of God and find healing in that. Amen? For God so loved the world. Well, if he loves the world, wouldn't he want to heal you? Yeah, yeah so you could use John 3.16 for healing, couldn't you? Because if God loves you, wouldn't he heal you? I mean, if you had the capacity and the ability to heal anybody, wouldn't you heal anybody? I mean, if you could do it, not just, not, depend, not just your faith in the Lord, but if you somehow had this magic, not supernatural, but magic gift to provide healing to somebody, wouldn't you do it? You know, uh, you would, right? Someone that you cared about, someone that you love. You'd be like, oh, they're my favorite person in the whole world. Well, would you heal them? Nope, I ain't doing it. Well, could you? Yep. Are you going to do it? Nope. Why not? Uh, I mean, what's, what would be the answer to that question, right? Because you don't love them enough? How many parents have tried to make the deal with the Lord? Lord, put the sickness of my child on me. That's dumb. Why would you do that? He took the sickness for you. He's already got it. So, I mean, you know, but people make these, they try to make these emotional deals with the Lord, and you don't need to make a deal with the Lord. He's already paid the price. Amen? <clears throat> and, and so uh, it sounds kind of spiritual, doesn't it? Oh, Lord, I'll just put the sickness on me. Now, if, you, if that was an option, we would all do that, right? If it was an option of taking the sickness from the child and, and letting them be well and you be sick, well, we, we would all do that. As parents, we would all do that. Amen? And even for some people that you like, you would do that, right? Well, love. You know, some people like it. Lord, I wouldn't do that for them. But other people, you know, you might do it, right? Uh, but that's not an option. That's not even a deal because uh, he said, by his stripes, you were healed. So is there any other stripes that he needs to take for you to be healed? So you're going to have to come back to the earth and get beaten one more time for your sickness? No, if he's already, if he's already been beaten, which he has, uh, in fact, the Bible says he was beaten beyond the recognition of a man. If he's already been beaten and that, those stripes that he took were sufficient to pay the price for your healing, then, then is there more work for him to do? Is he going to have to come back to the earth when, when the next plague comes around, when it's COVID-27? Uh, is he going to have to come back? Oh, sorry, we missed that one. Let me come back to the earth. You got to wait 33 years because I got I to get born in the earth. I got to get raised up for 30 years. I got to get baptized in River Jordan or whatever rivers at the time, you know, and then give me a few years. And then after that, then, so if you can live with the COVID-27 for 30 more years, I'll be glad to come back and then take some more stripes in for you to, for, for you to be okay. He's not going to do that, is he? Is there any more stripes necessary for him to take? No, there's no more stripes. So, so well, how does that work? I don't know. How does it work that he took that his stripes somehow were sufficient to cover COVID-19 2,000 years after he took them? I don't know. It doesn't matter. He said he did, right? And if he said he did, I don't have to know the technical way that that works because there's some things I think that I don't even know if we would have the capacity to understand them as, as human beings, as limited people. But somehow he did, amen? And if he did, then there's nothing else for him to do. And did they expire? Did those stripes expire like they weren't good enough after the first century? Were they only like stripes uh, that lasted as long as the last apostle once they died, then, then those stripes came to an end? No, you know, I've never have understood the, the premise for why God doesn't heal today. I mean, I, I listen to people, you know, even with an open mind in a sense that, okay, let me at least listen to what they say. 
But it's just dumb. It's, it, there's no biblical, it doesn't make any biblical sense at all. If God loved you, wouldn't he heal you? Uh, if God is capable, wouldn't he heal you? Uh, if God took a price for you, wouldn't he uh, uh, cover that price for all eternity? I mean, he wouldn't do it just for a period of time and say, well, you've got a short window, and then sorry, you know, uh, you know, you get this great deal, but you look at the fine print and it says this only lasts for 27 seconds. It's like, well, I, I, it took me long enough to read the coupon. And then it's already expired. And, well, you know, that people love, they love that, right? Or, or, you know, it's lifetime warranty. And then you read the fine print. You've got to have the original receipt signed by, you know, Mother Teresa. Uh, and it only works if you go to this one store up in Washington State, you know. Uh, and and by, the, by the time you put all those, you never get it. You would never get the, you know. Uh, I know I had, a, I had a lifetime warranty on my transmission on a vehicle one time. And it was acting up, and I went to, to the dealership. Hey, transmission's not, not acting right. And they said, well, have you done everything you're supposed to do? I don't know. Did you get the transmission fluid changed? Is that a thing? People do that? I know people do that, right? But I don't do it, you know. Uh, I just figure I just run into the ground and then just get another one, right? And so, uh, but did you, do, you have a, do you have receipts that you, that you get the transmission fluid changed every whatever thousand miles that you're supposed to get it changed at? Well, No. Uh, anybody who in here actually does that? I'm sure somebody gonna raise their hand, right? Yeah, or does it? You know, there's always somebody like that, right? Uh, and they go down and, and here's all my receipts, right? And the people, you know, at the at the dealership, like, oh yeah, you're one of those, right? <clears throat> they like people like me, like, no, I drove it off a lot. I get the oil change every three thousand miles, whatever, and that's it. And you know, and so they love they love yeah lifetime warranty, but you got to have so many they got so many loopholes on their part. That if you don't follow exactly the way that, you know, sorry doesn't work for you. Well, the Lord's not that way. You know, well, have, have you been perfect? Let me see your Sunday school pin. Have you missed any Sunday? Oh, you missed right there. Right there. No, no healing for you, right? He's not going to do that. There's no loopholes. His stripes were sufficient. Amen. Uh, and so, I don't know. I just, uh, uh, I, I just you know, to me, it, it's, always, uh, it's always a grave concern when people of good conscience can stand up and say, God doesn't heal. How are you able to say that? How are you able to say that the God who loves us, so much that he would send his own son to die for you, but he won't heal your toe. How could he love you that much, but not love you that much? You know, how can that love be so all-encompassing that he could love you to get you into eternity forever, right? Which is how long eternity lasts, obviously. He would do that, but he won't heal your, 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 your toe ache or your, your uh, whatever problem you're dealing with at that point in time. How, how, does that, how do you reconcile that? How do, you, how do you say that the God who loves you over here this much, but doesn't really love you over here? Um, is there a limit to, to the love of God? Is it, is, it, is it compartmentalized that, yeah, he loves you spiritually, but not physically? Well, who created you physically? Who created the physical world? Well, the Lord did, uh, and people oftentimes will say, well, it's only spiritual healing. Well, you're never spiritually healed anyway. You're born again, but you're not spiritually healed. That's not a doctrine. That's not a biblical doctrine, amen? There's no such thing as spiritual healing. Uh, and so, uh, so here in Psalm, Psalm 30, so uh, it's a short psalm here, so we'll just read uh, some of these verses and, and see what it says in the area of healing. Uh, and of course, it's, this is the Old Testament, right? So anytime you read the Old Testament, you've got to keep an eye towards the New Testament, amen? So you've got to be careful not building your doctrines entirely on this because some of the things he says, you know, it's like, well, you know, that, that was fine for the Old Testament. But, uh, but he says here, 
starts out in verse 1. I will extol thee or praise thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. Uh, but he starts out with, I will praise thee, O Lord. I will extol thee, uh, thee O Lord. Uh, like we said this morning, it's always good form to start out with worshiping the Lord. Amen. It's always, it's always appropriate to start out when you, when you speak to the Lord. Lord, you're amazing and wonderful and, and big, and you're the king of the universe, and I love you dearly. And it's always good to start out that way. Instead of, uh, Lord, my life is so hard. He says, I'm sorry, did you say something? What, what did you say? Oh, your life is so hard. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Maybe I should come and die for you. Oh, wait, I already did that. Maybe I should come and take some stripes. I already did that, too. Uh, maybe I should defeat the, the devil for you. Oh, I did that, too. Maybe I should give you a name. Oh, I gave you the name of Jesus. How about the Bible? Oh, I already gave you the Bible. Maybe I should give you my spirit. Oh, I already did that, too. I mean, what's he going to say, right? Oh, I know, honey, honey, it's so hard. Bless your heart, right? Uh, that's what we say in the South, which, which uh, is not really what it means, right? Bless your heart means, like, you're really dumb and sorry, you know, sorry you're having a struggle through life, right? Uh, but um, we don't quite say it that way because that would be not polite. Now, but uh, I, will, I will worship thee. I will praise thee, O Lord. I will extol thee, O God, for thou hast lifted me up. Uh, has he lifted you up? Yes. He has, right? Um, and thou hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. So again, uh, th- this is David, right? He's saying these things. So sometimes we like to do these things, and, you know, I'm of this kind of mentality. Lord, I cried unto thee and thou hast healed me because I live in the New Testament. Amen. So the Old Testament, and this is fine in the Old Testament, right? This is, you know, this is a good, what I learned from this is my heart that I should have, right? That the Lord, that you're my healer. Uh, but I don't, I, don't, I don't go to the Lord and cry to the Lord for my healing. Lord, please heal me because he took stripes for me. So I don't have to really, you know, have the same, because at this point in time, Jesus hadn't died for David, has he? Amen. So this is fine in the context of the Old Testament, and, and the attitude is fine to have the same attitude, but I would never use these words to the Lord. I would never cry to the Lord and, and ask Him to heal me uh, because He's already healed me. By His stripes, you what? Were healed, right? So He's already done that, amen? Uh, Lord, please heal me. Be like, I thought He did. Didn't I say that I healed you? I, did, didn't I say that? First Peter 3.24? Is, is that not in the Bible? It's in the Bible, right? Uh, uh, and so... So, uh, but that's fine, right? So, but did he get healing? I mean, he got healing in the Old Testament, amen? He went to the Lord, he got healed, amen? Can we not go to the Lord today and get healing? Amen. We don't have to do it the same way, but we still go to the Lord and say, Lord, you said in your word that, that by your stripes I'm healed, so uh, according to that, that I'm healed. The Lord said that uh, it's on its way right now, amen? Uh, and so, he said in verse 3, O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave, Thou hast kept me alive, and I should not go down to the pit. Uh, and, you know, so you see a lot of things where David talks about his soul uh, and the struggles, and, and he's talking about, you know, your soul is your, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And, and their mind, their will, and emotions, has, has it gone down to the grave? Where you just, the complete, absolute mulligrubs, right? Anybody know what mulligrubs are, right? That's a technical word. Uh, and so, you have brought up my soul from the grave. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, nowadays we know that uh, uh, we can do this by faith, amen? That we, can, we get to choose because, you know, David was not born again, amen? He did not have the Spirit of God on the inside of him. But you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You are born again. You are on your way to heaven. And so anytime that you want to, you can say, soul, straighten up, amen? Old Testament, you know, they didn't have that capacity because 
they didn't have their spirit. The spirit in you is an anchor of faith. Amen. That spirit in you that's born again is an anchor that, that you can look to it to see uh, how should I react? How should I be acting right now? And your mind can look at your spirit and go, well, that, that spirit's on its way to heaven. That spirit's sealed by the Holy Ghost. That spirit contains the Holy Spirit. And so it's rejoicing, so I'm going to rejoice. So, you know, again, it's a little different in the New Testament than the Old Testament, uh, but uh, we can still look at the, the heart that David had, amen? Uh, and so has anybody's soul, even in the New Testament, been, been uh, sunk all the way down to the grave? Well, surely they have, right? Because your soul is not born again, amen? Your soul has to be renewed. Your mind has to be renewed. Uh, and so no doubt, even in the New Testament, there are Christians whose souls have gone down to the grave. I don't even know why I'm alive. There's, there's Christians, born-again Christians, who think like that, amen? Uh, that uh, uh, even, even to the point where uh, now, he didn't say he wished he was dead, but, but this, is, this is as far as his soul did sink, right? Not his spirit, man, but his soul sunk all the way down to the grave of, of even despairing of life. And, you know, David, you know, if you look at David's life, uh, uh, I, I've loved David's life, and it's been a blessing to me studying it over the years, because David, if you look at his life, uh, you know, when he, uh, when he was just a shepherd boy, he was out there, and what did he say that he, he fought when he was out a shepherd boy all by himself? The lion and the bear, right? Uh, and, and that's what he told Goliath, you know. The Lord delivered me from the lion and the bear. He'll deliver me from you too. Uh, and, and, you know, it is good to have some experience with the Lord. Next big thing comes up, you know, you can remind yourself, well, you know, the Lord did this for me. The Lord did this for me. So is Goliath any different? See, when David saw Goliath, it was like boring, you know, bear, you know, lion, just, yeah, just, just another bear. I got a spot on my wall for your bear skin right now, right? Uh, it's got an outline, you know, a little white chalked outline, you know, of Goliath. It's where you're going right there, Goliath. Um, you're no different, amen? So it is good to have some experience with the Lord. Uh, and yet David, you know, what, what, did the, what did the Lord say about David all the time? David is what? A man after God's own heart, right? So David had such a good heart towards the Lord all of his life, you know. He struggled really after Bathsheba. He started struggling then, and then he had some other struggles with the Lord after that. Uh, but for many, many years, you know, and, but even after all the struggles, the Lord still called him a man after God's own heart. For kings that, that were many generations after David, he said, I will bless you because of your father David. Uh, and so even if David made a mistake, he was still, even in the midst of his, he still loved the Lord. Amen. Uh, and that can go so far, right? And so David was a man after God's own heart. And yet when he showed up uh, there uh, on the battlefield with Goliath, even his brothers were like, what are you doing here? You know, you, you're, you're not doing your job and you just think you're all that. And, you know, you need to leave. And David, David just completely ignored them, right? Um, and then, of course, he kills Goliath. He became the man, right? Everybody started singing his praises. David has killed his 10,000. Saul has killed his thousands. And that made Saul real jealous. So Saul started trying to kill him for years. Now, now before he even tried to kill him, before, even before Goliath, the Lord told Saul that, that I have rejected him as your king. Now, if Saul was a good man, which he wasn't, but if Saul was a good man, he would have just left and gone retired right then. But he hung on to the bitter end. You know, some people hang, hang on to the bitter end. Even the Lord said, I, you know, I've removed my spirit from you. 
You no longer king. I've rejected you as a king. And Samuel went there before David ever killed Goliath. He went and anointed David as king. Uh, and so David was, was always a man after God's own heart. And yet so many times people thought ill of David. Oh, you just think you're all that. And David's like, well, I'm, just, you know, I'm just trying to serve the Lord. And then he, then he kills Goliath, and now uh, he, he's made general of the armies of Israel, and he's doing his job, killing ten thousands. And Saul's trying to kill him again. And, and you know, so I can understand, uh, you know, in that sense, I know exactly how that feels. I know exactly how it feels. You know, I've told you a lot of stories when I was with my pastor and, and all the things that he accused me of, all manner of evil. And I, so many times I thought, Lord, can't he just not see my heart? All I, you know, you told me to come here and serve this man. And all I've done for the 20 years I'm here is serve this man with no ulterior motives. And yet I'm accused of so many evils. And I know exactly how David felt. That his, his soul was brought down to the grave and thinking, what's the deal, Lord? David had no, he had no designs on the, on the throne. Even when Samuel came and anointed him, you know, he just, okay, fine. And he just left it alone. He was waited on the Lord, amen. Even when, when he had a chance to kill Saul. He just, no, I'm not, doing, I'm not doing it. I will not touch the Lord's anointed. Even though, now, David always called Saul the Lord's anointed, even though he wasn't the Lord's anointed. He was originally, but the Lord took his spirit off of him, right? He said, you, I've rejected you as king. So he wasn't the Lord's anointed anymore, but David always honored him as if he was, because it meant David was a man of honor, amen? And yet his soul, because people accused him of all manner of evil and tried to destroy his life, having done no, no evil, this is why his, his soul was brought to the grave. His mind, right? His emotions were, were so beat upon because he, he's trying, why are they doing this to me? I haven't done anything. And you know, your soul can have a ma major impact on your life. Amen? The quality of your life can be, now it doesn't have to be because you're a spirit being, amen? Born again, sealed by God, by the Holy Ghost. But your soul can affect your life. And doctors tell people that uh, they can take two patients get the exact same thing wrong with them. One person can have a great attitude. Oh, I'm going to get better. Uh, be happy, right? Next person, oh, I knew it was coming. I, I was just waiting for it. You know, I figured it'd come eventually. You know, yep, here it is. Yeah, I probably won't make it. I mean, my daddy died of this. My mama died of this. You know, even my mailman died of this. I'll probably die of it too, you know. Uh, well, that person will die. The other person will live. And, and same medication, same, same everything. But one person will be successful. One person will fail. And then, see, it's... it's it, it's just not for everybody to get well. Well, what, why does that person get better and the other person didn't, right? Their soul. Not their spirit, man, their soul. Amen? Their mind, or their mind's renewed. Uh, and so your soul can have a major impact. Sometimes just, just changing your soul will make you feel better physically. Amen? Because a lot of sickness and disease uh, is, uh, they, they have a word for it, it's called psychosomatic, where it's just, it's just, you know, it it's, doesn't mean to sound a terrible thing, but, it, uh, but sometimes they say it's just in your head. And sometimes sickness, it's not always, obviously, but sometimes it's just in your head. That it's, if, all, if all you ever say, yeah, I just always feel bad. You ever notice people that say that always feel bad? They always do, right? They, they, they get exactly, I mean, they've got to be people of great faith because they always get exactly what they say. I always feel bad. See, look at it. I mean, you're bad a thousand percent. Always feel bad? You say you always feel bad. Uh, and so, uh, but, the, but the Lord helped him get his soul out from the grave. Amen? Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's so important to, to think 
like the Lord thinks about you. Amen? Uh, and especially in the area of healing, you have to think what the Lord thinks about you in healing. You have to know, just know in your own soul that the Lord wants me to be well. Because there's a lot of Christians who are not convinced of that. They're, they're not convinced that God wants them to be well. They think that, well, I, I've, I've done so many things wrong. You know, I'm kind of deserving of this sickness. You know, I've kind of brought this on myself. And so, you know, uh, the, Lord's, the Lord's allowing this sickness because I've done so many things wrong. And, and the Lord's powerless to overcome that. Amen. He's powerless to override your will. Uh, and so uh, the Lord, uh, you, you have brought up my soul from the very grave and thou hast kept me alive that I shall not go down the, to the pit. And then, then he starts telling himself what to do. Sing unto the Lord. Well, he's telling the, the saints, sing unto the Lord, O you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. So he's encouraging us what to do, right? We should sing unto the Lord. Amen. And this is good form. I mean, this, this is good practice for you to do, to sing unto the Lord, because it's just, isn't this what he's telling us to do? Oh, you saints of his, are we his saints? Give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how, how often I tell the Lord thanks. Uh, and I, I've told you, even as a child, long before I was born again, I would thank the Lord. You know, I remember even as, a, as an elementary school student, I didn't know anything about God. I didn't know anything about anything but I would still thank the Lord for things. Uh, and I, you know, naturally speaking, I didn't have a lot of natural things to thank the Lord for. You know, uh, what, uh, I, like everybody else, I had birthdays every year. You know, I never got a birthday present uh, growing up. Not one time, not uh, ever got a birthday present. Isn't that sad, right? You know, no. Well, there was 11 of us, right? So you know how many birthdays are, you know, there's actually 11 of birthdays, right? That'd be a lot of birthday presents. And, and so... But uh, I, it wasn't until after my parents were gone that I got birthday presents, amen? And so I'm still trying to catch up, right? So, uh, uh, you know, I, uh, you need to double up because I missed a birthday present when I was five years old. Uh, and so uh, it, it's, uh, um, uh, but, but even then, even when I had not a lot of natural things to be thankful for, I would still thank the Lord, amen? Uh, it always desired to know Him. Uh, and so... And then, then he has uh, uh, verse 5 here. For his anger endureth but for a moment. You know, the wrath of God is ended for the church. Amen? In that sense, right? Because the wrath of God was pent up because of the sin of the world. Amen? The sin of people. Well, now Jesus has paid for that. Now, there will be a wrath that comes at the end, but that wrath is, is there at the end because people have not accepted Jesus. See, Jesus has paid for all. The wrath of God is in response to the sin of the world. Amen? And uh, if Jesus came and died for the sins of the world, then that wrath is, because he said you used to be children of wrath. That's what he called us. We used to be children of wrath, those who did not accept the work of the Lord Jesus in relation to your sins. So that wrath of God is still has to be poured out against sin. But see, if we accept the Lord Jesus, all that wrath towards us is gone. There's no wrath towards us. Amen. Uh, the, the wrath of God is reserved for, and it's not even really reserved for the, the people because the Lord Jesus has died for everybody, amen? But it's reserved for the sin that the people have committed, that, that they will not allow the blood of Jesus to, to cover that sin. It's been paid for, but they won't accept the price that's been paid for that. And it's unfortunate, amen? Uh, and so, so, you know, you kind of have to take uh, verse 5 a little bit, not with a grain of salt, but a little bit in the sense of, well, that's kind of Old Testament, Amen? There's no wrath waiting for the church, amen? Yes, the Lord does judge the church, you know, and, and, and judgment does start with the house of God, and he does correct us and rebuke us. He does do those things, amen? 
but wrath is not uh, uh, laid up for the laid up for the church. Amen. Uh, and so, his anger endureth but for a moment. In his uh, in his favor is life. Uh, weeping may endure for for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Uh, don't we all love that verse, right? People all love. But the, the, the whole point of the song is the weeping part. People say about the, the joy part, but the only reason why they say joy is because they can talk about the weeping part. Oh, yeah, weeping endured for, for a night, right? Uh, but, but what's the weeping from? Hasn't Jesus come? Again, this is Old Testament, amen? Uh, are there things that we have to deal with on this earth? There are things we have to deal with this on this earth, amen? But as the weeping may endure for the night, uh, in what context is that weeping? Amen? I mean, uh, the Bible does say that we, we should weep with those who weep. Amen? But why are they weeping? Well, they're weeping because they don't know God's their answer. And I can weep with them because, man, you know, my heart goes out to people who just don't know that God can provide for them. Uh, and I see people get harmed that don't need to be harmed. And I do weep with them. I told you this morning, I, was, I just wept at, at the, the, the story of a testimony of somebody that had been abused as a teenager. Amen? Just... It breaks my heart to see people uh, be in, that are innocent to be harmed. Amen? And yeah, I can weep with somebody like that. But you want to come harm me, then you, you and I got to have a conversation with the Lord Jesus first. Amen? Uh, and so, you know, my, my only tears that I've shed as an adult have only been for other people. Uh, amen? And so, <clears throat> and, uh, well, you know, actually, just think about that, that's not 100% true. There were times when when I would weep for my own self, you know, not knowing how to get out of it. But once I got out of those situations, uh, I realized, you know, I, I, I could have gotten out of them years before. Amen. Years before I could have get out, gotten out of the situations if I'd just known what I, what I needed to know. Amen. And so uh, oftentimes our weeping is due to a lack of information or a lack of, of understanding what the Lord has done for us. Amen. But if you're fully in faith, if the Lord really does deliver you from all all uh, manner of evil, in what context would there ever be weeping? Amen? Now, didn't Jesus weep? Didn't he cry for Jerusalem? Right? And he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you just known, you know, who came to you? Yeah, in fact, the, 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 what's the longest verse in the Bible, right? Or the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five, right? What, what's it say? Jesus, Jesus wept, right? And I agree with, with you, uh, Brother Tony, about uh, they were, all the people were weeping for Lazarus there, right, in John chapter 11. And I think it just, you know, in that sense, it broke his heart in the sense of, of seeing them weeping because he's like, why are you, why are you, you I'm, I am, he said, I am the resurrection. Why are you still weeping? And yet, you know, just for them sometimes, because of the hopelessness, you know, he still sensed their, he had empathy towards their, towards their hopelessness, even though he's the very one that has the hope for them, and yet they're still in a hopelessness. He's standing, the hope is standing in front of them, and yet they still sense no hope at all. That, that you know, would bother him, and it did bother him to the point that he wept, right? Jesus wept. They said, oh, he loved Lazarus. I don't, that's, that's not, he was weeping because they're just dumb, right? Uh, Martha, that I am the resurrection and the life. Well, Lord, you know, I, I, well, I believe that, Lord. Not, not really, but I'm going to say I believe it. But they didn't really believe it, you know. And, it, you know, it bothers the Lord. You know, it bothers the Lord that he's, that he's done all this stuff for us, and yet we don't believe him. Wouldn't it bother you that I'll do anything for you? Well, 
and then and you find out somebody is like living on the street or eating dirt or something, and well, why didn't you call me? Well, I didn't want to bother you, but I, to- I told you I would do anything to help you. And it was like, yeah, I didn't want to bother you. And, and you, sometimes you'll weep because you know what they've suffered unnecessarily, amen? And the people there in John 11 were suffering unnecessarily because they sent for Jesus and he came, right? And so they should have rejoiced. Oh, he's here, all is well. Once he arrived, all is well. No, they didn't believe that. They were still weeping. Uh, and, and it's sad. I mean, it's even Jesus, you know. Uh, but he didn't weep for himself. Amen. And so I know there, there in, um, if you go over to, to uh, Matthew 26, his soul, right? Uh, in fact, uh, we'll come back to, to Psalm 30 here. Turn over to, uh, to Matthew chapter 6, or Matthew chapter 26 there. <clears throat> You know, even a person of great faith can have their soul attacked, right? Peter talks about the the war in your soul, amen? And so he said here, this is Matthew 26, this is when Jesus was was, was at the uh, Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, It says in verse 36, Then cometh Jesus with them unto the place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray yonder. So Jesus was a good Tennessee fellow, right? Go and pray yonder. We go over yonder and pray. I never heard the word yonder until I came to Tennessee. I don't even know there's a word. That's a word, right? Yonder? Where, where is that? Which direction is that? What's yonder, right? I mean, it's just it's over yonder. <clears throat> and so he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy, downhearted. Then said, said, uh, saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto, even unto death. Tarry you here and watch with me. <clears throat> and so why was his soul... So not his spirit man, but his soul, right? His mind. Why was his mind uh, under so much pressure? He, said, he, he came back and told him that, and he left and went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but thou, as thou will. So did Jesus know what was going to transpire? He did, right? Uh, and... Um, of course, we've talked about this verse many times. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit more about it uh, next, uh, well, one of these Sundays because he, he mentioned something similar to this in, in the Lord's Prayer that we'll, we'll mention that. But uh, Jesus was going to be separated from the, from the Father, right, on the cross. What did he say on the cross? My God, my God, what? Why hast thou forsaken me, right? You know, there are people who believe that God didn't actually forsake Jesus. He said, well, he literally said that, right, on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So who was he talking to? He was talking about the Father God forsook him. Well, did, did the Father God forsake Jesus? Well, he did. He said he did, right? So was Jesus lying? Well, he wasn't lying. So if Jesus said the Father forsook him, then what, what did the Father do? The Father forsook him, right? Uh, and so, of course, we know later on that he says that he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. Amen. That's why the Lord forsook him was that he became sin for us. Uh, and yet people said, well, he didn't mean, he didn't mean that when he said, God, my, uh, my God forsake for, for me. He didn't really mean that. Like, what, what do you mean by that? Well, he, well, he said it. Of course he said it because it says he said it, but he didn't really mean that that's what happened. So, he said, so Jesus lied. I mean, he said, you've forsaken me, but he didn't really forsake you. Then you're, isn't it a lie, right? When, when this happened, but you said that didn't happen, this thing over here happened, isn't that a lie? You know, if you're an eyewitness, understand, you know, did you see him do that? No, I didn't see him do that. Well, weren't you there? Well, yeah. 
did you see him do that? Well, yeah, I saw him. But did he do it? Well, no, he didn't do it. But you just, you know, that, that, you're a bad witness, right? They would, they would throw you in jail for perjury. Would, so if Jesus said that he was forsaken, wasn't he forsaken? Well, sure, he's forsaken, right? Well, why was he forsaken? For your benefit. Is he still forsaken? Well, no, he's not still forsaken. He had to be forsaken to, to receive all the sins of the world so that you don't have to suffer for your sins, right? That's, that's, and it's not really that hard a doctrine, you know, if you understand how all the plan of redemption works. It's not that hard to understand that that was necessary to complete redemption, that, that he had to place all the sins of the world on him, and in, in so doing, then he was not qualified to, to have the presence of God in him, life of God in him, and so he was forsaken. Well, well how, how many times in eternity has Jesus ever been separated from the, the presence of God the Father up to that point? None. So he had never experienced a minute, a second of eternity separated from the life of God, and yet here he is on the cross, now separated for the first time ever from the life of God, the presence of God. And this, that's why this pressure was on him. It wasn't the cross, it wasn't the pain, it wasn't the suffering, it wasn't the, the beatings. It wasn't, none of that was, it was even important to Jesus. It's like, well, that's short term. I mean, he's going to hear and be gone in, in a few hours. But the, the, the separation from God the Father, that's what was trying to, the, the pressure for that was trying to keep him from going to the cross. His soul, the pressure on his soul to not do the will of God was so heavy that, in fact, it said that great drops of blood, right, uh, were, were, fell from his, from his forehead as he prayed. He said, he said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. So sometimes the pressure to not do the will of God can be so heavy on you. And that's what David said, you brought up my soul even from death. Uh, and so, you know, that, that pressure there to not do the will of God can be very great sometimes. Amen? Uh, to the point, I mean, it, even Jesus experienced that. To, to turn away, he said, he said, Lord, if there's any other way, because if the Lord said, hey, I do have a plan B. If you just go down and, and just do 600 push-ups, you know, we'll call it even. And Jesus, I'll take that deal, right? In a heartbeat, Jesus would have taken that deal, right? You can go to the cross, or you do 600 push-ups. Okay, I'll do that. You know, so I don't have to go to the cross? No, just do 600 push-ups. Okay, I'll do that deal. He said, well, if there's any other way, let this, cap, let this cup pass me. He said, nevertheless, he said, not my will. So he said, not my will, but your will be done. So what was the will of Jesus? Yeah, but I mean, before that, before he said that part, what did he say before that? He said, not my will. So his will was not to go to the cross, right? I mean, anybody want to go to the cross? Let's go, boys, let's go to the cross. Nobody's saying that, right? Let's go get, come on, let's go get tortured. Yeah, yay, let's go die, boys. You know, Thomas said that one time, you know, when, when Jesus said, let's go, yeah, we're going to die, you know, might as well die today, boys. Thomas is like, wow, whatever, buddy. You know, some people say that, but they don't really mean it because as soon as Jesus said, okay, I'm going to the cross, they all left, right? Didn't they, didn't, they all, didn't they all say, we'll die with you, Jesus? Yeah, we're going to die with you. And he said, okay, let's start today. Well, not, I didn't mean right now, Lord. I mean, you know, I mean, if you mean right now, i got to go. I mean, you know, not right now. But, uh, and so he said, not my will. So, you know, uh, you can understand a little bit about how your will works is uh, the will of Jesus was not lined up with the will of the Father, the Father right? Because he said, not my will, right? So his will was not to go to the cross. You're not in sin yet. You're not in sin just because you don't want to do something the Lord wants you to do. You're only in sin when you go, and I ain't doing it. That's when it becomes sin. 
when you, when you know, when whatever you're doing and you want to do it, and the Lord says, I want you to do something different, and you don't want to do that, that's not sin yet. It's only sin when you go, and I ain't doing it. That's the problem, right? The problem is when you've made a final decision to go, I now know what your will is, Lord, and I'm not doing it. Because sometimes the Lord will say, hey, what you're doing right there, that's, I didn't want you to do that. And our response should be, okay, Lord, I'll change. No problem. I'll change. See, because your will wasn't lined up with the will of the Father, but sometimes, you know, you don't know the will of the Father until he reveals it. Now, we can always know the will of the Father, but, you know, you've got to be revealed what, the, what his will is. Sometimes it's revealed in his word directly. Sometimes it has to be according to his spirit, what his spirit tells you to do. Amen. Uh, and so, so the will of Jesus was not like, what he said, not my will, right? But your will be done. Uh, and so, so that's, the issue is not that, that, uh, that you don't want to do what the Father wants you to do. The issue is when you made a decision and I will never do it. That's, that's, when, that's when it becomes sin, right? Uh, you remember the parable that Jesus said two sons went out, the father said go out and work in the field, and, and one son said, one son said um, and, and I don't remember the order of them, but one son says, uh, yeah, I'll go, and he didn't go. And then the second one said, uh, I ain't going, but he ended up going. He said, which one did the will of the Father? Well, the one who went going, right? The one who went, actually went and, went and went and did it. It wasn't the fact that, that, uh, that he disagreed with what the Father wanted to do and even, even said he wouldn't do it, but he repented. And he finally did it. And so the Lord said, he's, he's justified. The one who went and did it is justified, right? Uh, and so, uh, I, you know, this not really t- talking about healing so much, but, uh, but your soul can be sorrowful even to the point of death. And, th- and that's where... If we can understand about how sin works, you know, uh, the, the reason why your soul is under pressure is because your will is not lined up with God's will. See, if your will could be perfectly lined up with God's will every day, you'd never be under pressure to sin. There'd be no pressure. There'd be no pressure at all because sin comes up, hey, you know, uh, go steal that. You're like, why are you doing that? Easiest thing in the world not to do that, right? I mean, you walk right by, you know, a, a whole stack of gold bars, you're like, not my gold bars. You keep on going, right? Just the easiest thing in the world. Amen? Uh, but see, uh, uh, I haven't done it in a long time, but me, when me and Jared would go down to like Sam's or somewhere, and they got these big, big racks of alcohol, right? <clears throat> and I walked by him and said, Jared, are you tempted to drink any alcohol right now? He looked at me and I'm like, well, no. Easy thing in the world not to drink alcohol, right? But you get some people go by, and they'll see the stack of alcohol, and they'll sweat. Right, they start breaking out in sweat, right? Because they, they want the alcohol. See, I could walk by, I mean, I could walk by Jack Daniels Distillery and go, yeah, whatever, you know, no big deal to me. I'll never drink it. Don't, don't need it, don't want it, don't even have an interest in it, amen? But other people just think about it and they'll break, break out in great drops of sweat. Not because, you know, you know we kind of like this right here, right? Uh, and, and so why, so the reason why people get under pressure is because their will is not lined up with God's will. And that conflict is on the inside of them. I know what to do over here, but I just don't want to do it. And that conflict is there. Well, that comes to all of us. Are you breathing air? Then it's going to come to you at some point in time. Amen. Are you a human being? Then, then you will get under pressure, right? He said, Jesus said the pressure was his soul, not his spirit. His soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. That's, that's a lot of pressure right there, right? And this is Jesus. If, if he experiences, won't we experience this? When your will is no longer in alignment with the will of the Father, you will experience pressure. Amen? And you will either uh, relieve the pressure by doing the sin, which doesn't really relieve the pressure, it just, you know, it just masks it, or you'll follow the will of God and, and be happy. 
Amen? But see, the thing is, if, if you were 100% lined up with the will of the Father, you'd be happy and content all the time. See, people say, well, you church people, you know, you can't be happy like me. You know, you, you don't do anything. It's like, well, you're not happy. You're the grumpiest, saddest, pathetic excuse for a human being ever because you can sin. I'm perfectly happy never sinning. I'm perfectly happy doing the will of God every day. And I'm under no pressure, right? I can walk by anything and not be, not be pressured to go do that because I'm going to stay lined up with the will of God, amen? And, and if you could live that way, and, you know, there will all come to all of us because we all have things that, that our flesh wants to do that, that we don't want to do, but sometimes we do it, right? And so there's just things that, that uh, may be unique to you or may, may be unique to me that, uh, uh, that your will... Like, well, you know, I, I shouldn't do it, but, you know, I kind of want to eat that last donut or whatever it is, right? Uh, and so uh, if, if it came to Jesus, even David said, now, see, David is, is, you know, really, in a sense, prophesying of what Jesus is going to experience. My, you brought my soul up from hell. As Jesus said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Amen. Now, of course, later on, he talks about how there, there, there's weeping in the night, but joy cometh in the morning. But that's really a prophecy of the Lord Jesus. We're living in daytime now. The nighttime was when were, the world was in darkness. Well, the world's not in darkness now. You know, I'd, I'd encourage you, don't, don't meditate on Psalm 30, verse 5, right? Is that where it was? was the, the weeping was in verse 5 there, right? Uh, don't meditate. Don't, don't make your life be Psalm uh, 30, verse 5. All this weeping. But I'm weeping right now, Lord, but someday there's going to be joy. Joy's already come. His name is Jesus. Amen? Don't live in, in that. Amen. But I know a lot of Christians who, and in fact, we were at some church. This, this before I even knew Psalm 30 was in the, was in the Bible. We, Chris and I were at the church at the church one time. <laughs> they were singing that song. Isn't there a song like that? Hold on, right? What's how's it go? Oh, that's right. Hold on, my child. That's it. Hold on, my child. Yeah, I can't sing, so you know <clears throat> that's not my that's not my gift. Hold on, my child. You know, uh, weeping may endure for the night. But joy comes in the morning. But see, for them, it wasn't about joy's coming. It was like, oh, we're weeping right now. My joy's come. He's, he said that your joy can be full. If your joy is full, when are you weeping in the night? I, I know I'm just, this is a big golden calf right here. I mean, we've got to bury it, murder it, you know, put it on a, you know, maybe we can barbecue and eat the thing, but we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be living and weep, weeping in dirt for the night, you know. But joy cometh in the morning. My joy's come. He said, do, do what I ask you to do, that your joy may be full. Uh, amen? <clears throat> uh, that, that, that's especially a, a little annoying to me, that particular song. Hold on, my child. We laughed. We laughed because we didn't even know it was in the Bible. But, uh, and it's Old Testament anyway, so, you know, we're fair. But we laughed at that song because they, they were just, I mean, they were working it, right? Just, oh, hold on, my child. And they would sing it with a big twang, you know. Hold on, my child. And look, if that's your favorite song in the world, I'm sorry. You're going to have to bury it, you know. Uh, yeah, have we ever sung that song around here? No, we have never sung it. We never will, right? Hold on, my child, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. And, and you ask him 10 years later, well, has morning arrived yet? No, not yet. You know, I'm still weeping in the night. It's been 18 years. When's, when's morning coming? Amen? It's got to come eventually. It should only come at most 12 hours away. <clears throat> Uh, but uh, I don't know, you know, people love to, to just hang on that weeping endureth for the night, right? <laughs> My joy has come. 
that your joy may be full. Amen? And so, <laughs> praise God. We didn't make it very far. We only got to verse 5 there. Amen? Uh, we'll come back. We'll finish up the rest of that. There's, there's still a good, other good things in here. But, you know, it is helpful to go, especially through a psalm like this, you've always got to be careful of just hooking up with this. Anything that's emotional and, and soulish, you've got to be careful of making that your foundation. Amen? Uh, because people love this weeping endureth for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. And is there weeping? There will be weeping that you do. Amen, no doubt. Especially when you see other people harmed. Uh, and will your soul ever be, be under pressure? It will. But you have to realize the only reason my soul is under pressure is because I'm out of the will of God. Or I'm not aligned with the will of God. Amen. Jesus wasn't out of the will of God yet, but his will wasn't lined up with the will of God. And that's when pressure arises. Amen. And as soon as, as, soon as you line up with the will of God, all the pressure goes away. No more, there won't be any pressure. I can guarantee you. As soon as you go, okay, Lord, uh, not my will, but your, thy will be done. All that pressure went away. But see, it took Jesus a while to get there, right? Because he, meant, he went and prayed and came back and said those words. And he had to pray and come back again. Amen? So, so it does take some effort sometimes to get your will lined up with the will of the Father. And sometimes you say, shut up. I'm doing it. Uh, there's, no, there's no question. I'm doing it. I'm going to do what God wants me to do, period. And it, just like that, the pressure will go away. Amen. And just like that, Jesus said, okay. I mean, right after, immediately after he got done praying, okay, boys, they're, they're, they're almost here. Let's, let's go. And then Jesus, he didn't flinch a, a second after that, did he? Let's go, boys. Uh, let those go, boys go and, and come on. And they went and beat him. He's like, huh, no problem. Uh, when we go to the cross? Let's go to the cross right now. You want to? After he got done with, with the, the, the Garden of Gethsemane, it was just cruising for Jesus, you know. I mean, he just, he just did, the, did the work. Uh, paid the price, got raised from the dead, and all is well. Amen? And so, praise God. We'll, we'll pick this up uh, next week there. And so, let's pray and thank the Lord for His Word. So, Father, we do thank You for Your Word. And, Father, we thank You that we can sing and extol Your name, praise Your name, Father, to declare Your goodness. And, Father, there have been times, for all of us, Father, where our souls have been brought down even to the, the point of death. And yet, Father, You brought us out. And so, Father, our joy now is full. We can live in your divine will each and every day. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We praise you and give you honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And if, if your favorite song is Hold On My Child, come see me. We'll get you, we'll get you a better song. Amen. All right, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. Amen. Anybody mad at me? Is that anybody's favorite song in here? No, it's nobody. We need some help, don't we? Amen. Uh, and so we've got to get out of this doubt and unbelief that people have steeped us in all these years. Amen. Well, come ahead, Mr. Jerry, and receive the offering. And um, we're thankful for, for, for the Word of God. Amen. And so, yes, Psalm 30, verse 5 is in the Word of God. Amen. But where is it? Old Testament or New Testament? Old Testament. Amen. So keep it in the Old Testament. Amen. Uh, and so... <clears throat> we'll look at the rest of that, that uh, chapter there when we get back. And, and um, you know, I do love the Psalms, you know, because the heart cry that David has, you know, we should all have that same kind of heart cry to the Lord. Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. Amen. And we may have to tweak the doctrine just a little bit here and there, but, you know, the attitudes are, is what I like so much about the Psalms and how they extolled and praised the name of Jesus, right? The, the name of God, that he's the king and he's his deliverer and that, that he's the high tower and shield and buckler. Amen. All those things are wonderful things to we can still praise the Lord that he does those things. Amen.
And so uh, we'll praise God, be blessed, have a wonderful week in the Lord, and uh, you're dismissed.